Now that we've had the chance to hear God's words of life from the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, let's get ready to dive into those words together. To prepare to do that, let's pray. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we've already heard this morning, as we enter into this final week of the life of Jesus, there's already been a whole range and roller coaster of emotions for Jesus. Every year when we get to this day that we call and celebrate as Palm Sunday, at first glance, there are many elements to celebrate. Today on this Palm Sunday, normally we celebrate Jesus and what we call his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I want to thank the Rogers family for sharing with us about that triumphal entry here today. And as the name indicates with triumph, there is a sense of joy. For Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. People are throwing palm branches in front of Jesus and they are yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. There is a sense of triumph and joy as Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. However, this Palm Sunday also marks the beginning of the final week of the life of Jesus. And in this final week, there will be a number of elements that are not joyful, that are not triumphant. It is during this upcoming week that Jesus will be betrayed by his closest friends. It is in this upcoming week that he will die upon a cross. It is in this upcoming week that his lifeless body will be sealed in a tomb. And so from the highs of riding into Jerusalem in triumph, people calling out his name and Hosanna to the highest, to the lows of dying on that cross and having his friends betray him, all of that, along with a whole other range of emotions, are happening in this final week, marked by this day, Palm Sunday. Now, a lot of times we focus on Palm Sunday on that triumphal entry. But in this particular sermon series, we've been focused on Jesus at the table. And interestingly, it's at the table, a final time at the table, that the final events of the life of Jesus are kicked into motion. And so that's what I'm going to ask us to focus on for this particular Palm Sunday. All the meals that we've looked at for Jesus are a big deal. But I think it goes without saying that it's at this meal, at the table with Jesus, that everything has been leading up to this one grand final moment. It is this final meal that we could say is the most important meal of all because it's his final meal. Talk to any college student and they will tell you finals are a big deal. Here is Jesus's final time with his disciples, his students to offer one final lesson. And he uses the table to offer that lesson. I love the way the scholar Jean Leclerc describes it. He says, when you look at the entire gospel, if you wanna offer a good summary of the life of Jesus, here it is. <laughs> Jesus ate good food with bad people. 
And I love the way one of my former professors says it. Uh, it's because Jesus so often is eating good food with bad people that he's described in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7 as a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Think about all that Jesus has done at the table, all the people he's encountered over these last number of weeks as if we have moved from one meal to the next, to the next, to the next with Jesus. Jesus broke so many boundaries at the table. He introduced, we could say, a whole new set of table manners to live into. He ate with dirty hands. He ate with tax collectors, which was a big no-no for religious leaders of the day. He shared food with people of highly questionable reputation. And think about this, with no home of his own to go to every night, it means that Jesus in his missionary journeys, almost every night of his life would have been spending the evening at someone else's house sitting down at their table to share together in meals. And on top of all of this, Jesus does a tremendous amount of wonderful teaching at the table. Of the 23 parables in Luke's gospel, almost 70% of them feature food. In fact, if we are reading the gospels and we're not somehow getting hungry, as we see Jesus eating with so many different people, we are missing out on what the gospel feast is sharing with us. At the table, Jesus teaches mission. Just ask Levi in Luke chapter 5. At the table, Jesus teaches grace. Just ask Simon in Luke chapter 7. At the table, Jesus teaches evangelism. Ask the crowd of 5,000 in Luke chapter 9. At the table, Jesus teaches on relationship and calling. Ask Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. At the table, Jesus teaches on holiness. Ask the Pharisees in Luke chapter 11. And now today, here we are at the table one final time, and here Jesus summarizes all of those elements we've already looked at, and he introduces elements like incarnation, grace, love, mercy, sacrifice, all brought together here for this one final meal. For Jesus, dining experiences become a lifestyle around which he formed a school of disciples. And there was no bigger dining experience than the one that we hear about today in Luke chapter 22, at the table, with Jesus, with his disciples, one final time. This final meal of Jesus is the most important of all. We've been journeying throughout the Gospel of Luke in this particular Lenten season, but if we were to go to the Gospel of John, a full 25% of the Gospel of John is focused on this one meal and final night in the life of Jesus. Five of the 21 chapters are focused on this one meal and what's gonna happen on this particular night in the life of Christ. What does that say to us about how significant, how important this meal is? Around the table, Jesus broke barrier after barrier after barrier. He broke gender barriers, socioeconomic barriers, socially acceptable barriers, religious barriers, participation in the kingdom of God barriers. It was one barrier after another. But now here in this meal, in this final time that he gathers with his disciples, Jesus is going to show us how he's going to break down the most important barrier of all, the barrier between us and God. In this meal, Jesus is going to give us the clues of how that barrier is going to be eliminated. 
to fully understand the implications of this meal and how it is that Jesus is going to break the barrier between us and God, we first have to do a little rewind. Here's what we hear in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 7, this description. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Now, as Jesus and his disciples gather for their final meal, it is not a random meal. It's a meal that his disciples in some ways actually would have been expecting because it's the celebration of another meal that Luke just described for us called the Passover meal. Now, maybe you've heard the term Passover or have a sense of the Passover meal, but it's really important to understand about what Jesus is going to do. We first have to have a thorough understanding of what the Passover meal is all about. And here is where we have to do a rewind. Because this Passover meal is a really, really, really big deal in the life of the Israelite Hebrew people. In short, it is the defining story of the Israelite people of how God freed them from slavery in Egypt and led them into freedom and a new life. And all of this story is told through a meal, specifically the Passover meal. And because of that, the Passover meal, it's a meal of identity. Even today, it is among the most sacred of rituals for those of the Jewish religion. It is a meal in which the entire family gathers at the table and the meal tells the story. It's often called the Seder meal. Seder means order because you go through a very particular order of things with questions and answers as they progress through the meal together. The Seder meal is about memory. However, it's about memory in an interactive way. And the story is told not just with words, but through a meal, with food. So that in this way, it's not just adults who hear and participate in the story, the children get to participate as well, and they get to experience it and understand it. Now, the original Passover, it occurred 1,300 years before Jesus. So go back to the time of Moses in the Old Testament. And remember, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for a long, long time. And they had been crying out to God for God to hear them and remember them because they were in agony being slaves in Egypt. And finally, God hears their prayer and God responds to their prayer by raising up Moses to deliver God's people out of the hands of Pharaoh. And the way that God did that, you might remember in the Old Testament, is he used 10 plagues. Now, the first nine plagues that God brought against Egypt and Pharaoh, they were awful. (laughs) Things like a plague of flies, uh, a plague of frogs, a plague of gnats, blood in the river, darkness, all kinds of things. But the first nine times, Pharaoh's heart remained hard with each and every one of those plagues. But then came the 10th plague. And it would be the 10th plague that broke Pharaoh's heart, that would allow him finally to say, the Israelites, go, get out of here. You are no longer my slaves. And the 10th plague was a truly awful plague because in the 10th plague, an angel of death was going to come and go over each and every house. And in every house where the angel of death passed over, the oldest son would die. And the only way to avoid the slaughter was for the people themselves to slaughter a lamb 
and to take the blood of the lamb that they slaughtered and put that blood on the wood of the doorpost of their home. And when the angel of death came, if there was the blood of a lamb on the wood of the doorpost of a home, that angel then would pass over that home and the life of the oldest son would be spared. But all who did not have the blood of a lamb on the wood of the doorframe of their home would see their oldest sons die. And that included Pharaoh. So God said to God's people, go and quickly prepare a lamb, butcher a lamb. But then God also said this, take the meat of that lamb, eat it. But I'm telling you, you will not have much time. Because when this happens and Pharaoh's own son dies, he'll be so filled with anger and rage, he will want you gone immediately. So God said to God's people, eat quickly. In fact, I want you to prepare bread, but don't even put yeast in it because the yeast, the bread, it's not going to have time to rise up. You, you won't have time to let it rise and eat because you're going to have to be on your way. So eat quickly and eat bread without yeast. And this is what God's people did. And so through the blood of a lamb, their lives would be spared. The chains of slavery would be broken, freedom would be given, and a new life would await. And among this, God said, remember this, my people. Remember this meal every year. Celebrate this Passover when I spared your oldest sons. Every year when you get to this time, I want you to eat this meal again to be reminded that I have broken the bonds of slavery. I have given you the opportunity for new life. This, my people, this, my children, is your defining story. In this meal, you find the essence of your identity as my children. On this particular date, every year, I want you to find a lamb and to slaughter it and to eat the meat. And remember, by my mighty hand, you've been set free. Never, ever forget. You once were slaves, but now you've been delivered by my hand. And now you are free. Now, Take that understanding and fast forward to what we hear in the Gospel of Luke today. This is what the disciples thought they were getting ready to celebrate on this final night at this final meal with Jesus. They would have expected to gather with Jesus and once more be transported back to that original Passover experience to again be in touch with their identity and how God had delivered God's people. And again, the disciples would have been familiar already with this understanding of the Passover and preparing for it. So when Jesus earlier on says to Peter and John, hey, I want you to go and prepare for the Passover, they knew what that meant. They wouldn't have even thought twice about it. They would have gone out about three o'clock in the afternoon. They would have found a lamb and taken it to the temple area. And they would have been doing this with tens of thousands of other people. Lots of people who are celebrating the Passover meal and feast. And, and at the risk of being too graphic, this is what this meant. The people would be singing psalms and they would find a lamb and they would take it to the temple area and there a priest would cut the throat of the lamb, would slit the throat of the lamb. And as they did so and the blood began to drip, they would take a bowl and catch that blood from the lamb in the bowl and then they would pour the blood at the base of an altar. 
Now, I just got to tell you, uh, I am not the best with blood. <laughs> and so I'm really glad I am a pastor now and not a priest then, because even thinking about this is kind of gross for me. I don't know how it is for you, but this is what would have happened. And this is what the priest would have done. And then another priest would have taken the meat of the lamb and butchered it so that Peter and John could then take that meat back to the house for the upper room. They would be able to baste that lamb in oil and herbs and other things. And then by seven o'clock in the evening could eat that meal with Jesus and the other disciples. All of this they would have been expecting. And every single part of the meal meant something. So the herbs, they were bitter to remind them of the bitterness that the Israelites had experienced when they were slaves in Egypt. And other herbs at the meal would be dipped in salt water to represent the tears shed in their slavery. There would have been something called kerosene, which was a pureed uh, apple mixture. And it was meant to look like the mortar out of which the Israelites would have made bricks for Pharaoh when they were held in captivity. There would have been an egg at the meal to offer reminders of new birth and new life. There would be unleavened bread as a reminder of the haste and the quickness with which the Israelite people had to get out of Egypt. And of course, at the meal, there would be a lamb, a lamb, a lamb that had been slain at the Passover and whose blood had been marked on the doorposts of God's people so that death would pass over. All of these elements would have been expected at the table at this final time with Jesus and his disciples. That's what they would have been expecting. But what they would not have been prepared for is what Jesus does at the meal at this final gathering. And what is that? Jesus is going to transform this meal. How? Luke tells us. Listen in verses 14 to 20. When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The disciples did not know when they were first gathering with Jesus on this particular night, what is going to happen next. They have no idea that Jesus is about to be arrested after this meal and die the next day. But Jesus knew, and he goes willingly. Now the lamb that is being sacrificed is not one taken from the field, but Jesus himself. Now the blood that will be splattered on the wood of a doorframe will not be on the wood of a doorframe, but on the wood of a cross. It will be Jesus' body that is broken, slaughtered for you and for me. Don't miss that. So that once again, death will not have the final say. Once again, we can have the, 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 the bonds of sin broken. Once again, we can be led into and experience new life together. Once again, you and I can experience freedom except this time the sacrifice will be once and for all, 
there will no not longer be a need to come once a year and go through another slaughter. This time the sacrifice will be for all people everywhere without exception, including you and me. This time the barrier of sin that separates God and humanity that results in death will be broken forever. At the Lord's table, we see how the barrier that separated God and humanity will be forever removed. Every single time that you and I share in this meal, we are taking ourselves back to this decisive act of love and salvation that Jesus offers in this final meal, resulting in no more barriers between us and God. Jesus knew that every single one of those disciples at the table that night would betray him, and he went anyhow. And Jesus knows that every single one of us, you and I, will also betray through our brokenness and our sin. And he goes anyhow as our sacrifice. He says, I come to die for you anyhow. I die for you. Please don't rush past that today. Please, before we get to the celebrations of the resurrection, pause and remember and give thanks that today Jesus says, I die for you. Absorb that reality, savor that grace. All of this happens at the table in this final meal tonight as described in Luke 22. Jesus, notice, he doesn't just say, I think about sacrifice. He, he doesn't come this night and says, let me teach you all on the idea of sacrifice. He doesn't come and say, let's ponder together the idea of sacrifice. Jesus tonight comes and he says, I become your sacrifice. I take action to be your sacrifice. Tonight, my blood and my body will be broken and shed for you so that you and I can be set free from the bondage of death because he loves us that much. In this meal that nourishes us, it allows us to experience Experience Jesus in a real and powerful and tangible way so that we can experience what true and powerful and sacrificial love is all about. And it happens at the table in this meal. Jesus wants each and every one of us, no matter how much we've messed up, no matter how many times we've turned away from him, to realize this meal is for us. At this meal, Jesus says, join me. There is room for every single one of you. So that the Last Supper, it is medicine for body and soul. This is what Jesus is trying to convey to us to this night. He says to us, I love you and I want to be with you and God love you. And there is a place for every single one of you at my table. So come and join me. Jesus knows this meal will be his last. He knows this will be his final lecture, his final lesson to his students. He knows that through the description of this meal, it's a, it's a preview of how the brokenness, uh, the barrier between us and God will be healed. And he does it. He offers the lesson by saying, here, have some bread, take and eat. Here's my blood, take, drink. It's all through a meal. So that at this table, we encounter a great, great mystery. I wish I could tell you exactly how all of this works, but the truth is there are just some truths so deep and so complex, we don't have the words to fully describe them. Sometimes we just understand that we can't fully offer in, in the ways that we want all that is happening. So sometimes we can't talk about it, we just have to live into it and enact it. 
Sometimes in our own culture, we say things like, don't tell me, show me. That's what Jesus is doing here today. There's no detached sense of contemplation tonight with Jesus at this meal, just action. A meal, body and blood broken and poured out for you. The great theologian John Calvin, he was brilliant. He wrote volumes upon volumes upon volumes of theological reflection. He even wrote something called the Treaties of the Table about this night of Jesus and his disciples at this final meal, over 50 pages of reflection. And yet at the end of it all, even Calvin admitted, I can't fully explain to you what happens at this meal. This is what he said about the meal instead. He said, I would rather experience it than explain it. Can you taste what God is doing at this meal? Can you savor the grace as Jesus removes the barrier between us and God? There might be a lot we don't fully understand when it comes to human the- or to, to, to theology with God in general and our own human feelings and our faith, but we can all understand what it's like to be hungry. And we can all understand what it's like to not be invited somewhere we really wanted to be invited to which is what makes this meal so powerful because at this meal in this food with Jesus in his presence, our deepest hungers are met. And every single one of us is invited to this amazing place at the table of Jesus to feast with him. This week we will enter into the final hours of the life of Jesus. This is a week not so much for preaching deep, theological, powerful doctrine. This is a week to take action. And so I invite you this week, church, take action with Jesus. On Thursday evening of this week at 6.30, we are planning on doing a live stream from my living room where we will share together in communion. I invite you with your family or with a few close friends in a safe way. Please join me at that time. Take the effort to have some bread and drink on hand as we share together in the body and the blood of Christ on Thursday evening. On Friday evening at six o'clock, I invite you into a worship experience in the FEC sanctuary. Again, at seven o'clock, excuse me, at six o'clock, not seven, at six o'clock, as we remember again, the death of Christ. On Saturday, we will supply you a prayer guide. Please take the time, take action to pray through the prayer guide. Go somewhere quiet, go on a hike, be in your home, walk your neighborhood, wherever you want to go, but pray through the prayer guide as a way of realizing again the great lengths that God has gone to in order for death to be defeated and the barrier between us and God to be removed. All as a way of preparation so that next week we can celebrate the resurrection. This week, church, take action. Because here at this table, in this meal, Jesus takes action. And notice that the sermon he delivers, it's not at a synagogue, it's not at a temple or a high ritual kind of a place, but rather it's all through a meal, at the table, among friends. And church, unbelievably, those friends include you and I. You once were slaves, but now you have been delivered by God and now you are free. Today, Jesus takes action and Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. 
This is my blood shed for you. Take and eat, take and drink. May we do so. Thanks be to God.